You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. We it seems like I see more and more people coming to terms with the acceptance stage of something that happens bad to you and and what feels like most people are not happy with this PJ Washington pick but I have seen some takes this morning where we are all in the acceptance stage like you know what now that I think about it I had a night to sleep on it and this PJ Washington pick there's some things that I like about it I feel like that's what's going on in a lot of people's brains right now it's going on in my brain for sure, and if you uh, were a Patreon member and watched the live show last night, I mean, you saw our instant reaction was one of disappointment, but I've had some time to think about it, and I, I, I'm certainly, I think I'm, I'm with a lot of Hornets fans in that I'm more upset at the idea behind the P.J. Washington selection than I am actually drafting P.J. Washington as a player and but I'm also relieved that the Hornets did not do something more devastating uh, to hurt their team long term. Also, real quick, shout out to Nathan, Kyle, and Jason for joining our Patreon community last night off that live show. Uh, you can still watch it. It was a lot of fun. Steve, Bob, Forrest joined. Producer Katie joined. Nada was there, and we talked about a lot of different things, not just draft. We talked Boy Meets World. Talk we talked lot. pizza. We talked a lot, and and as a result, Walker is very, very tired. <laughs> I, am, I am very <laughs> tired today. Well, you're listen. You're you're all over the place, man. You are the Stephen A. Smith of Hornets commentary right now. <laughs> you do the live show. You watch the rest of the draft. By the way, big mistake. I went to sleep, caught up on all of this this morning. I watched the entire. Draft you're an last idiot night. because an how idiot. late? How how early do you have to get up for the radio show? I'm already somebody that struggles going to sleep earlier than really even. Since I've been doing the morning show, I've been able to fall asleep before midnight for sure. Like it's around 11. But last night with the draft going on in the background, you know, I've got my head on my, on the pillow. The TV is going on still. And I hear Adam Silver or Mark Tatum go up to the podium and I'll just turn over and kind of look at the TV and. Like, okay, that guy gets drafted, and then, you know, I'll try to go back to sleep, but not really. And then, sure enough, it's almost 1 o'clock in the morning, and i got to get up in just four hours. Listen, I'm I'm a, an analyst, and I'm a big fan, but I'm taking care of myself these days. I didn't see Tatum's <laughs> face at all, only in my dreams. Injecting the best of Aju into my system as the gasoline that fuels me. By the way, coming up, former host of Locked On Hornets, David Walker, is going to join us to give his takes on the NBA Forgot draft. about that. David I Walker. know because you're tired. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna pick up your slack today because you pick up my slack so many times and I appreciate it. And you you helped me last night get through. Uh, Rui. <laughs> the Hornets didn't, didn't draft Rui. Rui. Did I miss no. that? Did I dream no, that? No, the Wizards without a GM drafted Rui. <laughs> Which I don't think you feel vindicated, and then you're like, oh, they don't have a general manager right now. Maybe you. Hey, they got a great pick despite themselves. So PJ Washington, despite themselves or despite themselves. No, I hope it's not despite themselves. It's despite themselves. It's despite them not being experienced. If you were to do it to spite yourself, that would mean you're angry at yourself and you're just doing things to punish yourself. Yeah, okay. I, I believe you. I it's a revolution. Right. So let's talk about P.J. Washington, <laughs> the 12th overall selection for the Charlotte Hornets last night. Look, you saw our reaction if you do follow Patreon. If you don't, you saw the tweet that I put out there. I basically, you just saw Doug's tweet where he was frustrated that Roy Hachimura is not a Charlotte Hornet. My reaction was, I respect Mitch Kupchak as a talent evaluator. I think he's very good at this, and I think you have a track record of Mitch Kupchak where he has 
had good draft picks with the Los Angeles Lakers. And I think Miles Bridges and Devontae Graham were both good draft picks last season. Certainly better than what you've come to expect from what Rich Cho gave you ever since the Hornets slash Bobcats came back to the city. So with that being said, with me giving the respect to Mitch Kupchak and trusting that he usually is a guy that has a plan, that is a good talent evaluator, I was not a fan of this pick last night. And I think you're right when you were kind of alluding to this before we really dove into what we like or dislike about this pick. It is more about the idea that P.J. Washington represents rather than the type of player that he is. Safe pick. I do think that he's a good player. Charlotte pick. I think he is a very safe pick. I do think that he is a redundant pick to Miles Bridges. Maybe some of you don't feel that redundancy is a bad thing in this scenario. I do think that he is redundant. I think that all of these guys have a lot in common in the Venn diagram. Mm -hmm. Outside of the Venn diagram on Miles' side is that he's a nuclear athlete, that he can slam the hell out of the ball. On the P.J. PJ Washington side, he's a better three-point shooter. P.J. Washington can dunk. Miles Bridges can shoot the three. But each one of those categories on the opposite side, I think, are emphasized. Everything else in between, similar body type, you're hoping to get similar defense from them. P.J. Washington has a better wingspan, but overall, these are two very similar players. The NBA is going to in, in a direction that has a lot of the same type of versatile defenders. Positionless. Where you have a 1 through 4, a 2 through 5, a 3 through 4, whatever. You have versatility at that position, and that's something that P.J. Washington discussed as one of his skill sets. I would rather go with somebody where you don't even have to sacrifice a good floor. Just give me a higher ceiling. I think that there were options there last night. You talk about somebody being boring in Nikhil Alexander-Walker, somebody that we haven't talked about a ton. I feel that Nikhil Alexander-Walker has a higher ceiling than what P.J. Washington does, and I think he possesses a good floor. I agree with that. I think that there are guys that you don't – I think that's something that escapes people's minds. That, okay, you either go for the home run – or you go with the safe pick. There, there is well, a, there is a in the middle. There. What about the safe pick that also has some home run ability? Because I don't think PJ Washington has that, and so he's probably going to be a good player for the Charlotte Hornets. He's not going to be one of these guys that you overdrafted to, like an MKG who isn't a failure, but it's somebody that didn't live up to the number two billing. Cody Zeller's not a failure. In fact, if you look at that draft, it probably was the right uh, selection. But I don't think you would think of Cody as living up to a number four billing. I don't think P.J. Washington is somebody that I would like because his ceiling is a little bit lower than some other guys that were there that still had a floor that I was comfortable with. I think you're right that they are a little bit redundant, but I'll I'll agree with one of your counterpoints that you brought up, that this league has shown that you can have redundant players on the court at the same time and have success if those players can play on both sides of the ball, if those players are long, if those players are athletic – you can do that. Uh, Boston has been very successful doing that. Golden State has been very successful doing that. Oklahoma City has been very successful doing that. So I like the fact that the Hornets are targeting players that have an interest in playing on both ends of the floor and are also long and athletic. I don't think that's a bad thing because for years we saw this team drafting one or two skill players and, and not drafting athletes. And I think 
you know, what is a P.J. Washington? He's a very smart player, good passer, has, has improved in his shooting. And one thing Mitch Kupchak kept bringing up over and over with P.J. is that he improved significantly from his freshman year to his sophomore year. And they want to see that kind of jump from his sophomore year into the first few years of his NBA season. He's a hard worker. Not a lot of bad things to say about P.J. Washington except for one thing. And here's where I will agree that redundancy can be a problem between P.J. Washington and Miles Bridges. P.J. and Miles both have not shown that they are able to create for themselves, which means if you want both of these players to be successful on the floor at the same time, you're going to need ball creators, really good ball creators on the floor. And if Kimba Walker is not part of this team moving forward, you're going to lose a significant uh, play, you know, a play creator and and I think that hurts both of those guys. Here's what makes this okay and a little bit easier to digest for me. If you next season, if you decide that these are your two guys for the future, that you want to have some switchable front court players like PJ Washington and Miles Bridges, then fine. You cannot get another guy like that next season. You know, I can get on board with two of those guys if if you want to do that. Can you imagine, Doug, if we get another Six seven three saves you're out. Three saves you're out. I mean, I can't handle that. <laughs> I can't handle that. Here, here's what makes me okay. If you decide to go with somebody with some, at some point you have to get somebody with a ceiling that is big, and we have not done that, at least in my opinion, with the last picks that they've had, with the Miles Bridges pick, the Devonte Graham pick, the PJ Washington, Cody Martin, Jalen McDaniels. They have not had a high ceiling type of guy. I mean, even those second round picks where you can find some people that have one thing about them where maybe they can be elite in that area, maybe in the second round. You know, for a reason, I love Daniel Gafford when he was still available. Bruno Fernando, I thought could last, and that was somebody we talked about pretty frequently. The Hawks trade up for him. So it's just another selection that I love that the Hawks make, as well as everybody else in America that watches basketball. Daniel Gafford would have been that guy that I would have selected, and they get somebody that was not even on a lot of people's draft boards at 36. I haven't seen a lot of Jalen McDaniels' film, but I hear he has a real problem with it. He's going for the team video coordinator. That's going to be what he's going to be doing at the the end of his career. Look it up! Anywho. Google it! I want somebody that has something special about them in at least a couple of areas. It doesn't have to be a five-tool player. You know, you don't have to be that type of guy constantly. But just give, give me somebody that can be special in a couple of areas. Because when we when we watch playoff basketball, you need to find a bucket getter, right? And I guess you can have Kimba Walker be your bucket getter if your plan is have Kimba be here long term, have Miles and PJ develop very quickly. So I just don't see – do you see a team that gets out of the second round with P.J. Ceiling, Miles Ceiling, and Kimball Walker at 32 years old or 31 years old? Oh, maybe, but I think you're going to need some help from some other teams in the Eastern Conference. At, at some point, I want another two-guard for Kimba to play with that is – very good. Like I want another all-star, Doug. That's what it comes down to. And I think it's tough to expect Mitch Kupchak, who is focused on getting the best player that he feels like is available to him, to expect him to really address the psyche of of the common or the average Hornets fan. And that psyche right now is is really on the brink. It's teetering on the edge, uh, especially with the uh, possible departures of the best player in franchise history, Kimball Walker, and another uh, great creator of and great scorer in Jeremy Lamb. Your your top two players from last season. Yeah, Hornets, Hornets fans are scared, and P.J. Washington didn't really uh, sewage you know, like that. Mm-hmm. They're fierce. 
I like that a lot. I want another all-star, and I, I just want to see if the Hornets are going to be able to do that at some point. And the Hornets draft P.J. Washington. Here's the one thing I'll say. Again, we go back to that's the one not a, thing I'll say. I did re- just realize that. I, I don't think I don't think that phrase has been ruined for Jess Nada. I think it's been ruined for everybody that appears on this podcast. The one thing I'll say. You go back to Mitch Kupchak and the way that he's been able to draft in his career with the Los Angeles Lakers, and you see how he drafted Miles Bridges last year. I had the same type of mindset. It wasn't necessarily Miles that I didn't like. It was just the idea of this. And Miles Bridges was better than I thought. I still don't see him as an all-star, but he was better than I thought. P.J. Washington has every opportunity to do that here as well. So I'm not going to act like I know everything, but in this type of field, my opinion is that P.J. Washington was not supposed to be the selection for the Charlotte Hornets last night at 12. And yet Mitch Kupchak, he didn't listen to me. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back with plenty more. We've got David Walker, the OG Walker. He'll join us on the other side of the break. We'll get his draft day takes. It's all up next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. You are listening to the Locked on Hornets podcast. We don't want that Pacers talk. You got to respect the satchel. We don't want that Cavs talk. What you got, Doug? <laughs> I have the entirety turn this satchel a little loud today <laughs> be quiet satchel. no we're bang it's a club banging in here it's time for more of the locked on hornets podcast welcome back to the locked on hornets podcast a part of the locked on podcast network make sure you go check out locked on nba they do have all of the live draft reactions from all the different teams out there we had our live reaction show last night make sure you join patreon at patreon.com slash loh again that's patreon.com slash loh you can get our live reaction show they can still catch that doug right even if they didn't catch it live they can catch that later our live reaction that's correct okay thank you very much and to get another guy's reaction it's the og walker that's joining us david walker he joins us now to give us his takes on pj washington david thanks for the time man how are you I am good, fellas. I'm I'm absolutely awesome after a super weird and interesting draft night, but aren't they all? Yeah, well, you know, a lot of people, <laughs> they are interesting. They are super weird at times. A lot of people unhappy with this draft pick, David. How are you feeling about P.J. Washington sporting the purple and teal here at number 12? Yeah, I think I was like a lot of people last night, a little bit disappointed that they didn't take a bigger swing. Um, I was... In the in the vocal minority of the uh, Nasir Little camp, <laughs> and I know you guys were on the polar opposite end of that, but that was uh, you know kind of me going for a big swing, hoping they might try somebody with a a higher ceiling than a PJ Washington. But I, I'm you guys dug into this really well leading up to the draft. Once you start looking at what you get in PJ Washington, a six eight guy who can shoot, who can play a couple positions. I mean, there's a lot to like there, and you can see why they settled on him at 12 when they it looked like they were trying to do some other things and, and, as usual, could not pull anything off. So they went with a guy who could play a couple spots, and they feel like who can contribute you know, somewhat right away, I guess, maybe be the heir apparent to Marvin Williams there. I want to piggyback off of something you just said there. They were not able to pull off a trade. We were getting like usual, he said. Like right. usual. Right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we were getting reports that that Mitch Kupchak, Mitch Kupchak even said that he was exploring options for moving up. And then we got some word that they were around the sixth pick, uh, maybe possibly talking to Minnesota to move up as far as six, but they definitely still wanted to move up in the draft. But Mitch Kupchak has not been able to pull off some of those signature big deals that he was known for when he was general manager of the Los Angeles Lakers. That's interesting to me because 
when and and you and I talked about this a lot, David. You know, Mitch Kupchak coming over to the Charlotte Hornets. Would he be as able to make those kind of maneuvers now that he's in a small market? You think he's maybe getting a little frustrated that he can't make those maneuvers? Probably, especially on a night, a night like last night when everyone is seemingly doing it like all around him. Uh, but I don't know. You guys tell me. To me, he's stuck in the same situation the Hornets have been for a while, and that there's not a lot of assets. People don't like what they have. Uh, they don't like their you know potential trade pick swapping picks with them. There's not a you know a high upside to the, where they're picking, and the deals they have are so bad that they still have to wait a little longer until they can unload some of these and they can be a benefit to another team. So it's just tough. They don't have a lot of things that other people find desirable. I mean, do you guys see it that way? No, I think when you look at what he had to work with in L.A., it was a lot of lower first-round draft picks because they usually were good until, I think, the end of his career when he had a chance to draft a couple of second overall selections. But when you look at what he had for the most part, it was late first-round selections and late second-round selections because they were contending for championships, and yet still they didn't have the awful contracts on all of those mm-hmm. teams like the Charlotte Hornets do. And so, of course, you're not going to trade Shaq or Kobe until Shaq is wanting out, banging on the door to get away from Kobe Bryant. And then when a star like that wants out, you know, you're going to get a good trade deal for him. You know, when you go after Paul Gasol and you're able to make that happen, you know, you're getting rid of some things that are more valuable than what the Charlotte Hornets have right now. And so when you come here to the Charlotte Hornets and get that situation, I think you could argue it was the worst situation in the league. And so it's going to be really tough to sell some of those assets to get anything viable or anything that's real uh, viable in order to do so in return. Yeah, and, and and piggybacking off that, Walker, I think he's also had the opportunity and felt like it was just a little too – the price was just a little too high. He said that after last night. He said that after the trade deadline too as well. And I think there's a similar feeling tonight or today for a lot of Hornets fans as there was right after the trade deadline when they weren't able to pull off a big deal. And I just think this situation was, is bad, and it's not going to be turned around on one draft night or at, at one trade deadline. Like They've got to kind of methodically – make solid moves until they see a spot where they can significantly change the course of the franchise. And, you know, maybe that comes when Kimball Walker leaves. We'll see what happens with that. But, you know, I think they're approaching all of their potential moves in a measured way. And maybe that's the best way to do it. Maybe boring isn't so bad for these guys right now. Yeah, the Hornets have so little leverage. Uh, when it comes to making these kind of deals. It's something that I feel like I have to say over and over that that people don't quite understand that you, you have to you have to have two to tango. I mean, you have to have another team that's willing to take some of your assets. And we've just heard over and over reports that no one is interested in, in, in dealing with the Charlotte Hornets unless the Hornets take it on the chin. And it sounds like that was the situation last night, according to Mitch Kupchak. I want to move on to a guy that you like, Nas Little, out of UNC. Mitch Kupchak actually confirmed last night that Nas Little was one of the players that the Hornets were considering taking. They did not, and he ends up slipping uh, pretty far down the draft. 25, I believe. 25 to Portland. So uh, how do you how do you feel about that? Well, I love the fact that his suit were uh, was a Portland Trailblazers color. I thought that was perfect <laughs> when he ended up there. It looked awesome. But I was shocked. I mean, there were a lot of surprises, and ironically, they involved some Carolina guys. I mean, Cam Johnson was probably the biggest surprise of the night going that high uh, to Phoenix, I think. But, you know, I was wanting Little to be there just more for, ah, gosh, just like a little excitement. You know, guys, I mean, I was certainly aware of, the downside and a lot of the holes he has in his game. I watched every game he played last year at North Carolina. 
and and saw you know a lot of the weaknesses in the feel for the game. He was completely lost on defense. I don't think the Hornets really needed to add another person that was completely lost on defense. But um, he would have provided a little excitement, a little uh, something for the fans to look forward to. But I completely get it. And I'm clearly the Hornets and the people that were worried about that, you know, you guys included there, were not the only ones because he fell that far to Portland. And I think there at Portland, I mean, shoot, you take a shot on him and, and add him to, the, to that lineup and see what happens. But, you know, I'm okay with the Hornets not doing that there. It would have been something where I don't know that he would have added a whole lot right now and may have required more development that they were really looking to do. Well, and it's funny because I certainly wasn't high on Nas Little coming in, but I feel like he did grow on me a little bit in the pre-draft process, and I thought he had a good pre-draft process. And so it was weird where he kind of gained more favor for me. It seemed like he lost it with a lot of other teams. Apparently he didn't work out well, and I thought he did. And so while he gained more favor with me, he falls all the way to 25, where you're thinking, you know what, I didn't want him at 12. But at 25, especially with Portland, who has a good backcourt and a good center once Nurkic comes back, the wing is perfect for them. And Nas Little, being somebody that has a lot of upside, I you have to like that pick for Portland. And, and Rui goes nine, so it's clear I'm a better NBA talent evaluator than you are. That's the other take Rui! that I had after all of this. Now, should we talk about Bowl Bowl now or wait? <laughs> no. Whoa. Un- That's unbelievable. True. That's, unbelievable. Talk about vindication for Doug or lack thereof. <laughs> hey, I, mean, I didn't have the medicals. If, I mean, come on. How can if you, you feel good about Rui going I mean, number nine, how do you feel about Bowl Bowl? How can you expect going in the 40s? Was I'm it 44? A, I'm not a doctor. I'm a sports analyst. <laughs> That's barely. Where, That's where you weren't able to. I just call myself a sports analyst. Hey, David, right. did you see any shoes you liked? Any, um, any uh, foot candy on those players last night? You know, the only shoes that I saw, I think, were from R.J. Barrett. He had on some, like, slippers. Oh, they were great. Socks. I made a point. Yeah, I made a point to, to, uh, to look at those as well. Comfort. Yeah. Yeah, comfort. Cool. Uh, to go. The suits were, I mean, this is probably the best best suits year we've had in a long time. And I felt like Zion giving a little nod to LeBron with the all-white there. The open collar, bold, bold, very bold. Mm-hmm. And the, the cream suit, that looked good. An ode to LeBron and what he wore on his draft night all the way back in 2003. Big fan of it. I that. just like the open button. I hope that continues and we see that get more and more and we just go to like 70s where you're just busting out chest hair. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> I would love to see it as well. It's David Walker, OG Walker here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. We appreciate you joining us once again, man. And I guess just final thoughts on the Charlotte Hornets moving forward in the offseason. Of course, we have a lot to talk about the Kimba Walker situation that is going to unfold and really just over a week right now. Uh, what, what are all your thoughts on what the Hornets should do this offseason and just overall what you think about the draft, including the second round selections? Yeah, man, it's crazy to think that that Kimba decision is really sneaking up on us fast and it's going to be here before we know it. I've been in the camp uh, all along that I think you try and keep him around um, and I, I get both sides of it and I get one to see another view of this team and starting something fresh. I think they have to try and keep him. Um, if it gets outrageous, you know, then uh, they can say they try their best, but I would rather build with him here. Um, and yeah, that probably means you're sucking it up for at least another year, maybe two. And I, I realize that that's not a, a fun proposition for, for a lot of people, but I, I, I'm a big fan of Kimba. I know we all are. So that's where I am on that one. And, um, you know, I don't know. We'll have to see about um, Cody. We added another Cody to the to the roster Cody last Martin. night. But I think uh, both of those guys can do uh, several different things. And they had some real success last year with uh, the use of the G League team. And I think if Cody Martin's one of those guys that plays some in Greensboro 
and and comes back up to Charlotte on nights and and can do some things there. That developmental system is hopefully something they can lean on. So if he's a guy that they see that can fit in there and and translate to working out in Charlotte, you know that would be an interesting fit. But I think they've got a theme right now and the players they're adding. Both of those guys can do a couple of different things on the floor. And that's why I like Nas Little, but you know PJ Washington is just a more stable player right now. And uh, like I said, he can space the floor, which is what they need. And so coming up, it's all about Kemba, guys. I mean, that's that's the next big hurdle. Until that's decided, you know, we we have no idea what direction they're going to be headed. So once they can settle that, then they can uh, line up everything else and try and figure it figure things out all right he's david walker you can find him on twitter at david b walker david thanks so much for joining us man we always appreciate it absolutely guys take care all right we'll take one more break and come back with just the last segment here last segment of the week before we do get to what really what really is going to be a primer for free agency next week it's all up next year on the locked on hornets podcast on the locked on podcast network This is Locked on Hornets. And the Google description here says, On contracts made before June, where the wheat is deliverable in December, either wheat of the grades, named or numbered, (laughs) B shares Batik of New York, N.B.A. So take that for what you will. That's a lot of information I just threw at you. I apologize. What was the grade? Yeah, the wheat was graded uh, C-. minus. Let's get them on. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Please listen carefully. When you're driving to or from work or around town, all you have to do is tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Hornets, and we will be right there for the drive. And make sure before you go to work, you get plenty of sleep. Have I been bad today? <laughs> you haven't been bad. No, you, I think you've been cranky. I think you've been cranky, maybe even more cranky. I've been cranky? Because you I haven't been got, mad at you. Not at me. I think at PJ Washington. I don't want to be. I didn't like it last <laughs> night. That was when I wasn't right. crazy. Tired. You're right, but I'm just saying with this, with the lack of sleep, I feel like you have. You're a little bit crankier. That makes me sad. That makes me cranky. The fact that you're calling me. You're cranky. a human being. I'm not calling you generally cranky. I'm saying you're you're, you're unusually cranky. Why don't you back off? What do you think about David's thoughts on Cody Martin on PJ Washington? Let's talk about Cody Martin first because we haven't talked about him a whole lot. This isn't going to help my cranky case, man. I, well, Cody Martin was supposed—he wasn't a guy that was on a whole lot of draft boards, mm-hmm. and it's somebody that kind of fits that mold of safe pick. Not exactly somebody that has a whole lot of upside. He was somebody that's more of a distributor at Nevada. Caleb Martin, his twin, was the score, can rebound, and I know you want to draft guys that are going to make this roster. I would have been happier with a Daniel Gafford. Somebody that is freaky, 6'10", 7-foot type of guy in that range. Freaky. Can jump out of the gym. He's going to slam dunk every single thing you throw up towards the rim. He's a good shot blocker. And that was the weird thing about this, right? Like James Brego talked about wanting to address shot blocking, rim protection. And they didn't do it at all. Despite them having chances to, they didn't do it at all. Because PJ's not going to protect the rim. There's actually things out there as far as the weaknesses go you know, the Hornets, while they could use P.J. Washington as a small ball five, that they're going to get out-rebounded because P.J. Washington just isn't as good as some other smaller guys that play the center in those types of uh, positions in the NBA. Yeah, a little bit more physical on offense than he is on defense or rebounding. 
And so I would think that you want to get somebody that can rim protect if that's somebody that you had talked to. That's something Borrego echoed a ton when we were asking him throughout the pre-draft process. And you could have addressed that a couple of times last night and you decided not to. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's certainly a big need for the Hornets if the Hornets were going to bother to compete next season in any kind of real or significant way. Yeah. But maybe, I just, I don't feel like they were approaching the draft that way. I really feel like Mitch knew the three or four players that he was going to target at each of these positions. Cody Martin, a, a player that was really projected to go undrafted, and I know a lot of people are going to look at that and go, Oh my God, undrafted player at 36, 36, that's guaranteed money area. Like, you, you know, mm-hmm. those first 10 picks off the board in the second round normally get guaranteed contracts. And so that's money that you have to devote and get you closer to uh, that luxury tax and, and, and certainly further up the cap. So that that's and it puts a lot of pressure on Cody Martin. Hey, you were you were supposed to be undrafted. Now all of a sudden, you know, you're you're a, a top second round pick. Um, that's that might be good for Cody Martin, a player that can do a lot of different things. I mean, he is a he's a versatile player. I mean, he's six six. He handled the ball a lot for you know yeah, he's, he's listed versatile. as a small forward, but really, I mean, he's kind of a point forward. I mean, I I'm not like totally down on the pick I think for me it's all going to hinge on whether Cody Martin can transition from becoming the creator that he was at Nevada into a catch and shoot three-point offensive player because if he can do that then he'll be able to use a lot of those different skills and because he'll be able to stay on the floor but if he can't score I'm not sure he's skilled enough defensively to really merit keeping him out if he's not going to shoot from three he shot 51 three-point attempts his junior year only made 15 of them that Mm -hmm. would come in below 30 percent the following season just last year cody martin shot 95 three-pointers and made 34 of them that would bring him up to close to 36 percent getting better so he did get better his free throw shooting also did improve from the 70 percent that it was his junior year to the 76% that it was his senior year. I'm not saying that he didn't improve. There were other guys, once again, that I would rather have. And I, I don't – look, I think people get in, in a mistake. I think people make a mistake when you have two or three guys, and if it's not one of those two or three guys and you hate the pick, I just – there was – I I mean, you, you made fun of me for it. <laughs> there was a lot of guys that I liked. And P.J. Washington, not necessarily that I dislike, but for the Hornets situation – I mean, how many guys, like at least a handful, you know, I'm talking about seven dudes that I would have liked to have seen with a floor that was good and a ceiling that was good and not necessarily having to sacrifice on a ceiling like I think they did last night. I'm in a much better position psychologically because a lot of the players that I liked, and this tends to happen for me, I tend to gravitate towards players that end up uh, moving up the draft. I have just big eyes for these kind of things. I, I, I want what I can't have. And so Rui and Jackson Hayes going before the 12 spot. So I have the luxury of just saying, yeah, well, you know, they 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 got the a solid player in a weak draft. And, you know, it's tough. I understand the narrative of the Charlotte Hornets playing it safe. And, and I, I agree with you. How many times can this team play it safe in the draft before it, it just becomes spinning your wheels? And I advocated more than anyone to take a big swing. And I'm a little sad that they didn't. But at the same time, I just think that adding two-way players is mm-hmm. also something that I've been no, screaming about, and they did that. It's it's not. No, I'm not going to sit here and say it's the dumbest strategy I've ever seen. 
You know, I'm I'm telling you that I respect Mitch Kupchak. And he you're loves right who about he that. loves, and and I, that's the one thing I'll say for Mitch Kupchak. It feels like to me, just based on what he says and what's happened over these past couple of drafts, that Mitch keys in on certain players and goes and gets those players, and it doesn't matter where they were projected. He likes who he likes, and it doesn't feel like we were really worried. Would Mitch be able to have autonomy in this system? Would Michael Jordan, you know, step in and 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 take over the war room, or would you know factions around Michael Jordan do that? To me, it doesn't seem that way. I just like just listening to the press conferences, seeing the picks. It just feels like Mitch is getting Mitch's way, mm-hmm. and and so far he has the benefit of the doubt because Miles Bridges worked out. I would agree with that. It does seem like Mitch has the power in deciding who they want to take in He's all of got these drafts. The power. Let's look elsewhere real quickly. Look, it's the day after the draft. We're going to go over. <laughs> this is how we do it. This is a big one. <laughs> so, That's a big podcast. No, it's a big one. It's the biggest pod that we've ever done in the history of this podcast. You look at some other teams and the job that they did. I'll give you three teams that I think are just phenomenal in the young nucleus that they've been able to develop pre-draft and during the draft last night. I don't know anybody that doesn't love what the Atlanta Hawks did. Maybe people think DeAndre Hunter was a little too high at four, but DeAndre Hunter... You know, Mike Schmidt's called the best defender in the draft. Uh, you know, we know, at least in this area, we watched a lot of ACC basketball, so we know the type of capability that we, we know the ability that DeAndre Hunter possesses. And to watch him perform in that championship game, especially in the second half against Texas Tech, I mean, DeAndre Hunter was amazing in that game. And for him to perform on the big stage against a great defense that Texas Tech put out there on the court, as well as play very well in the ACC this season, if you want to move up and get that type of guy at number four, I love what Travis Schlenk did. And not only did he get DeAndre Hunter, but you get a couple of guys at the small forward position where, one, you feel very comfortable about their floor in DeAndre Hunter, and also you get Cam Reddish at 10, who is the home run swing. So you get the both the best of both worlds. You get Cam Reddish, who has all the ability in the world. I think you know, Paul Biancardi came on the wake-up call and said, after, after Zion Williamson, Cam Reddish is the second most talented player in the draft. And I don't think that he's crazy wrong about that. Cam Reddish is amazing to me if he hits his ceiling, and you get a chance with both of those guys. Of course, they get Bruno Fernando at 34. I just love everything that the Atlanta Hawks did, as well as their trade partner last night with the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, I like Grant Williams at 22 by the Boston Celtics. Again, they get a, a great pick in the 20s, those sons of bees. And uh, Brandon Clark at 21, I, I think, is Don't going to – you're, you're cranky. That's why you're really cranky. It has nothing to do with sleep. It has everything to do with Brandon Clark with an E going number tw- – falling all the way to 21. Uh, and I, re- I really like a lot of what people did in the 20s. San Antonio, again, sons of bees. They get Keldon Johnson – who who I think might end up being the better player among the the Kentucky you know players in this first round that were taken. Uh, uh, no, it's a great fit. I I love it too. You 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 trust? Okay, give San Antonio the really talented guy. I trust that marriage. Whatever talented guy it is, I trust that marriage. So I do like that at twenty nine as well. Going back to the Pelicans, they needed shooting. They needed a rim running center. They get Jackson Hayes at eight. They get Nikhil Alexander Walker at seventeen. Okay, David Griffin, you rule the NBA right now. New Orleans is doing everything right. I can't wait to see how they screw it up. The Memphis Grizzlies (laughs) did not screw it up in getting Brandon Clark. If you were to ask me, who are the best players to pair with Brandon Clark? I might give you Jaron Jackson Jr. and John Morant. So Jaron Jackson and Brandon Clark pairing together in the front court, having a guy that is very tall in Triple J, 
who can also hit the J from the outside. Brandon Clark can't do that. Brandon Clark a little bit shorter, but will swat your shit out of the court. And so Brandon Clark is somebody that's going to be a freak athlete to go alongside Jaron Jackson, who can stretch the floor out a little bit. So it's not like the paint is going to be so clogged that John Morant can't go to the basket. Jaron Jackson will stretch it out. Brandon Clark, hopefully he can continue to develop it. But if he doesn't, then go put him in the dunk spot and have John Morant drive to the basket and throw oops to Brandon Clark all day long. I love that pairing for Brandon Clark, and I think he's going to show you that he can be one of the best defenders in the league and also just dunk on a whole lot of people while working on his offensive game. So cranky. By the way, I mentioned Boston taking the same <laughs> kinds of players and just putting them all out on the floor and seeing what you know, seeing what works out. They drafted Romeo Langford and Keldon Johnson, very, very similar builds, I think, two players that um, you know could could become a little bit redundant. Although I, I think Keldon might be a little bit of a better shooter, but you know it's funny. Like I feel like everyone behaved themselves in this draft, even though I was listening to Locked On NBA and they were saying that this was a record for most trades in an NBA draft. Didn't feel that way. Didn't feel there was a lot beforehand. Yeah, maybe that's what they were counting. Uh, but they, but you know, it feel, it feels like everyone behaved themselves except for one team, the Phoenix Suns. Oh, they were so bad. They last stand night. out in a way that no other team has uh, stood out to me in years since like Cleveland took uh, Bennett. You know, I just and like, even that wasn't crazy because we didn't know who was going to go number crazy. one at that yeah, point. Yeah, it was a little crazy. I don't think it was nuts though. It, it felt nuts to me, but Phoenix Suns. I mean, who was it? Was Oladipo in that draft or no, who? Who was it? Yeah, because that was the the Zeller draft. Yeah. So that so, yeah it was a weak. Yeah, talk about a weak draft. That was a weak draft. Right, because Cody Cody is not bad if you look at selecting him for. I mean, of, of course, with people, I think that might have been the Giannis draft. And nobody, nobody was going to draft Giannis at four. But as no. far as people that you could consider drafting at four at that time, Cody actually wasn't a bad pick. Some other guys that I like, by the way, um, or dislike, besides the Suns, of course the Pacers. I don't like that pick. Goga Bitaze. I like Goga Bitaze, but pairing him with DeMontis Sabonis and Miles Turner, I just don't want to get rid of one of those guys. And so having Goga Bitaze come in, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Number 19, Spurs. They draft. This is, Now, this is another bad draft pick for me. Uh, number 19, San Antonio Spurs pick Luka Samanich out of Croatia. Again, I think he's been playing in the league for three years. I don't think this is a legal draft pick. I think this is some kind of trade that San Antonio has pulled off with another team. Pretty sure Samanich has been playing in the league for three years. How about Steve Clifford going with Chuma Okiki, who might also be one of the better defenders in this draft, and he doesn't care. Yeah, remember we talked about remember we talked about who is somebody that you would select at twelve that would just be such a crazy reach, everybody would be criticizing you. And I said Chuma and you said that'd be crazy. Steve Clifford was listening. He goes after Okiki, Orlando Magic at 16 overall and i, mean, I don't think a lot of people of, hate it that's kind of, that's his kind of player oh, I mean, it, it, six it. seven 235 seven foot wingspan i mean that's <laughs> that's him chuma kid okiki yeah like, that, i mean that's that's clifford's kid okiki that's absolutely kid who with he two would select uh there was another player i thought they did select last night but apparently they didn't that i thought was orlando magic steve clifford type of guy but that's really about it second round picks not anybody that really stands out to me I thought you you, know, you have Carson Edwards also go to the Boston Celtics. Carson Edwards was fun in the tournament last year. Purdue Boilermaker, one of the better scorers in all of the NCAA. So Boston Celtics, maybe a couple of good picks. I know a lot of people didn't like. Bill Simmons hated what the Boston Celtics did in that draft. But he's probably just cranky too. Yeah, he. Oh boy, that guy probably never sleeps. He works a ton. 
He's like you. He's a little bit better than I you, am. You and Bill Simmons are basically the same guy is what I'm saying. That's a compliment. Yeah, thank you very much. All right, we appreciate you joining us here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Thanks for listening. And remember, you can subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. And when you get in your car and tell your smart device to play podcast Lockdown Hornets, we'll be back to talk a little bit more about P.J. Washington and some of the other draft pieces that we had next week. Also, Kimba Walker's impending free agency. It's coming up very soon. And Doug, can you tell us anything about our schedule next week? Are we going to start to go maybe just three days a week next week? Or is that going to happen maybe the week after? What do you think? I haven't thought about it, so stay tuned. We'll, okay. we'll, we'll talk about it on Monday. We'll definitely have a show on Monday, and we'll, we'll kind of talk through our plans leading up to free agency. All right, we'll talk it out on Monday. Join us then. Go to sleep, little walker.